And hello and welcome to the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. I am Vic Batista along with Nathan Jones and we are transmitting live from our station and our various networks. So we ask that you stay tuned to today's program as we're going to be looking at this incredible book of Zechariah as we talk about what is a prophetic fast in Zechariah chapter 7. Also remember those of you that are following us live via our networks, whether it's Facebook, dot uh, com forward slash twave.tv or twitcast and you can post your questions or your comments there for us and uh, we thank you for being part of the program and of course before we continue i'm going to ask nathan jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer lord jesus we thank you so much for this opportunity to get together and study your word we do pray lord you'll speak through zechariah 7 for us so we may know you better lord and grow in our relationship with you and your precious and wonderful name amen Amen. Again, you're tuning to The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones, as we're looking at the book of Zechariah, we are in chapter 7. Again, what is a prophetic fast? And today's program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel Aventura, Calvary Chapel Broward, and The Truth Will Set You Free Ministry. And you can find more information here on www.twave.tv. And, of course, for those of you that find yourselves here in the area, make sure that you drop in and say hello to us. We're located at 1000 Foster Road, Hollandale, Florida, 33009. And before we continue, I'm going to welcome Nathan Jones to the program. Nathan, it's great to have you on. Great to be on as always, brother. We're so excited, Nathan. God has granted us another great week where we can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. He has. Appreciate the opportunities to be able to share God's word with all your audience, and Lord, uh, I just praise Him every day for this. Uh Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It's a joy, Nathan. It's a joy to be here with you. And of course, uh, Nathan, we know we have people uh, already watching us live there via Facebook and our various networks. And uh, maybe we can share a little bit of your information, Nathan, the ministry Lamb Lion, just in case someone out there is new so they can grab hold of all those wonderful resources that you guys have to offer. Well, uh, like Vic said, my name is Nathan Jones. I'm the Associate Evangelist and Web Minister for Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry whose mission it is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And you can check us out on our website at lamblion.com or christinprophecy.org. And on our website, you'll find a wealth of information. You can watch our television show, Christ in Prophecy, hosted by Dr. David Reagan. Many articles, uh, e-newsletters, social networks. Uh, you name it, we have the resources out there. We want to teach you about God's prophetic word and get you excited about Jesus' soon return. Woo, awesome, awesome. Nathan Jones, thank you so much. And uh, excited we are. Nathan, you're also uh, going to have a conference very soon. Can you talk to us briefly about that? Every summer, uh, this time it's uh, July 15th and 16th, Lamb Line Ministries hosts our annual conference. Mm -hmm. And uh, this year, the theme is The Great Debates of Bible Prophecy. We'll have Dr. David Hawking, Dr. Ron Rhodes, of course, Dr. David Reagan, myself, and two others, and we'll be all speaking on these different great debates. I, myself, will be speaking on the Millennial Kingdom, and uh, yeah. that's one of my favorite subjects, so I'm so glad we'll be doing that. And folks can come, sign up on our, our website at lambline.com, and they can go here in uh, the Dallas area to that, or they can watch it over our website. We'll be streaming it live. That is fantastic. Thank you so much, Nathan Jones. Those of you that are watching us live, you can grab that information right behind on the screen there. And again, or you can go to ChristinProphecy.org. Nathan, I'm excited about that conference. And yeah, we're looking forward to streaming it this year. Again, hopefully some people uh, will be able to uh, be here live and uh, check out these wonderful speakers. So we're looking forward to that. Well, great. I'm hoping a lot of churches and Bible studies and home groups will stream it into their facilities or their home 
and then bring other people to watch, and so you can have your own free Bible prophecy conference right in the comfort of your own home or church. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nathan. That's why we love technology, right? And the things that we're able to do these days like never before, right, Nathan? Amen. That is so true. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we get started again, we thank you all for tuning in. We thank uh, Will Torres there for tuning in live via Facebook. And guys, go ahead and you can post your questions or your comments there for Nathan or myself as we look at Zechariah uh, chapter 7, this incredible book. Nathan, we have been making our way through Zechariah. It's so exciting. Is that book that you call the mini revelation and and for the past six chapters, you were unraveling to us all these incredible prophecies by this mighty angel, which we believe is Jesus. And uh, you took us through this incredible journey. Now we're going to get into uh, chapter seven. But could you briefly, Nathan, maybe recap for us chapter six and some of the last visions that we saw there? Certainly. Well, Zechariah is at the time of when the Jewish people were returning from exile out of Babylon. Israel had been conquered and destroyed by the Assyrians, and then later Judah, the southern portion, was conquered by the Babylonians, and the Jewish people were exiled up to Babylon. But some 50 years later, Cyrus made a decree. He was the king of the Medo-Persian Empire who conquered the Babylonians and let the Jewish people return to rebuild their temple. Right. Only 200,000 returned. One of them was a young boy named Zechariah, along with an older prophet named Haggai, and they went back to settle the land. Unfortunately, the land was destroyed, the temple was in ruins, and so God encouraged them to rebuild the temple despite all sorts of difficulties from the Samaritans and right. others who were trying to stop them, and God through them built the temple. He then gave Zechariah eight different visions, and we've been reading through those, and the different visions were meant to show that Jerusalem had a bigger part in the role of history, not just in Zechariah's time, which was about 520 B.C., but in the future, when Jerusalem will be the capital of the world, where Jesus Christ will rule and reign yes. from Jerusalem. So we're up to this point now, where we've had these eight visions, but now Zechariah is going to get one epiphany of the holy city of the future. In other words, what uh, the Lord is going to show Zechariah, and through him the people is that what you're doing is important. Rebuilding Jerusalem is important because it will have a future role where yes. the capital of the world. So this is one of the greatest epiphanies, I think, in the Bible right. because it really gives us a strong understanding that Christ will be victorious. Christians will then, of course, be victorious. And God will rule and reign on this earth one day. Mm, excellent. Thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And Nathan, also, I'm uh, holding out uh, your book here, your latest book. And uh, again, in page 269, you give a, a really wonderful commentary as well here in uh, the 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets. So this is also uh, just a great, great resource. So yeah, Nathan, if you can continue to take us through Zechariah chapter 7, that will be fantastic. I want to encourage those of you that are watching us live or tuning in live. Hey, if you have your Bibles, follow along with us and take this wonderful journey with us. Okay. Well, this epiphany actually covers chapters 7 and 8. So we're going to start with chapter 7, where the Lord is preparing their hearts for the, uh, the teaching, you could say, of the Jerusalem that will be the capital of the world during the Millennial Kingdom. And then the New Jerusalem, which will be the capital of the world through eternity. But that's a subject for another time. So let's get into <laughs> chapter 7, verse 1. Now the fourth year of King Darius, it came to pass that the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month of Chislev. And the people sent Sherezer with Regimelech and his men to the house of God to pray before the Lord and to ask the priests who were in the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, saying, Should I weep in the fifth month and fast as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Say to all the 
full of the land and to the priests. When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh mm. months during those seventy years, did you really fast for me? I mean, for me? When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? Should you not have obeyed the words which the Lord proclaimed mm -hmm. through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the cities around it were inhabited and prosperous, and the south and the lowlands were inhabited? Ooh, Nathan, that's a, a, a really powerful passage. I mean, there's just so much uh, that we find. It. And, and here we have the mention of uh, King Darius. And also we remember in the time of Daniel, right, Nathan? This is uh, uh, those time periods there. It is. And it's, uh, actually, Zechariah is wonderful about putting dates so that modern-day historians and archaeologists can pinpoint it. What he's saying is on December 7th, 518 B.C. <laughs> we actually have a date here, December 7th, 518 B.C. Now, Zechariah was busy with his family's priestly duties, and then a delegation from a town called Bethel arrived, and they want to know about the four non-law fasts. And these fasts were to commemorate past calamities right. uh, that were still worth practicing. So uh, what they want to know is, hey, should I ceremonially weep and fast? Well, Zechariah, God through Zechariah, I should say, he right. shoots right past what they're asking for and gets to the heart of the matter. When you eat, in other words, when you fast or, or not fast, and when you drink and when you weep and all, do you do that for God or you just do it for yourselves? In other words, are, is this just religious ceremony that makes you feel good or are you truly doing it for the Lord? Mm -hmm. So here God is reminding people that their ancestors had abused the commemorative festivals. They did it for their own selfish pleasure right. and it was wicked and it was the cause of the suffering and why they were exiled. So in other words, you can do religion but God doesn't do religion. Yes. God does the heart, and that's what God is trying to explain to them. Wow. Nathan, that's a very, very good point that you just made because, hey, we love uh, that idea of fasting. But even that, if it's done with the wrong motives and in the wrong way, it really doesn't uh, amount to much. As a matter of fact, Nathan, it reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. As surely as I say unto you, they, they have their reward. And then Jesus says, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret places. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And that's what you said, right, Nate? This is a matter of the heart here. That's a great passage. Jesus, again, was getting a heart of matter. It's strange. The religious leaders, the ones that he set up through Aaron, continued to follow the law, and then they continued to add to the law until there were 613 wow. that Amazing. people had to follow. And then there were still the rabbinical teachings that the people had to follow. They were burdened down. The Lord said they were weighed down like with a heavy yoke. And so on top of that, some of this practice was to weep during certain festivals. It was also to uh, pray and to fast. But the people weren't doing it for the right reasons. They right. weren't doing it for the Lord. They were doing it because they believed that it was re it was basically it was religion. They were practicing religion. Mm. And they had these, these catastrophes that happened in the past. One uh, fast they were doing is because the temple was being had been burned down. Right. So they had a fast for that. And two, there was a murder of a former governor named Gedaliah, so they had a fast for that. Right. And they had fasted for the beginning of a siege by the Babylonians and poor for Jerusalem's capture. So all these are good fasts. They were likely right. doing them all in, up in Babylon because they were trying to commemorate the, the reasons why they had to leave. But again, they were missing the point. They were commemorating something that happened but forgetting why it happened. 
think that the Jewish people Absolute. were exiled out of the land because they were obeying the Lord. Mm. And, and Nathan, and that's why oftentimes throughout the Bible, we're told that obedience is better than sacrifice. Right, Nathan? And, uh, oh, amen. I, and I mean, I'm excited because there's people that can fast for long periods of time. But listen, if you're not obeying the word of the Lord, it really doesn't mean much. No, you know, when it comes to spiritual disciplines, fasting is probably, I don't know what you think, but I think fasting is probably the least practiced by Christians. I, I know in my it, own side the times I fasted, I spent more time thinking about food than actually <laughs> thinking about the Lord. I, I know uh, back in, actually back in seminary, I took one class called Spiritual Disciplines. Uh, by uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Don Whitney, right. and uh, he not only wrote the book, but he was also the professor, and he was an expert at doing the spiritual disciplines, and uh, we had to fast throughout the class at different days as part of the spiritual disciplines, and brother, wow. I never fasted before then, and all <laughs> I could think of was apple butter, I don't know what it was about <laughs> apple butter, but I just had this craving for apple butter, and I realized at the end of each day that I was missing the point of the right. fasting. The fasting was to give up something, a sacrifice yes. to the Lord, almost like an Old Testament sacrifice. Now, Brother, I know you. You're an expert at fasting. You are really good at fasting. No, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I complain through it as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's neat about fasting? People think, well, fasting is like, you know, not eating anything. Like, right. You can fast that way. There's different types of fast, right? Uh, you know, Nathan, that's an excellent point. I mean, for instance, we look at Daniel chapter 1, and uh, there we find there was more like a, a vegetable sort of fast. And, and I really believe that, again, it, it's a matter of the heart. And, of course, there's people that have different medical conditions, so not everyone is going to be able to just do plain water fasting because we believe, again, that whatever we do for whatever length of time, if we do it with the right motives, for the Lord, uh, he's going to bless it, Nathan. So you're absolutely right. There's different type of fasts. And Daniel was one of those examples. Yeah, I mean, he fasted from meat. We know when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted, he didn't fast from all food. Otherwise, he would have been dead. He must have been drinking, obviously, or after three right. days he would have been dead. But it lasted 40. So he could survive up to 40 days without food, just on water. And that's likely the case, that his yes. fast took him to the point of death. But, uh, you know, fasting, I, I, I'm not advocating Lent, uh, you know, this Catholic practice, but it wouldn't hurt the Protestants to, to give up something for Lent. You know, maybe you give up your favorite chocolate, or, or maybe you don't watch uh, TV, or or maybe you, you, you know, cut back on something. And it, it's a, not to say, oh, look at me, everybody, I am so holy. It's to say, Lord, I'm giving up something, mm. I'm sacrificing for you. It's about worshiping the Lord. It's an act of worship. It's a heart issue. Yes. And that's what the second part of Zechariah was God explains how it's the hardest. You know, Nathan, and if I, if I also may, just for a minute, I'm reminded what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 58, now that you were mentioned about really what a true fast is. And in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, speaking of that, it says, Is it not, speaking of, is it, is it not the fast that I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you may break every yoke? It is not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself uh, from your own flesh. And Nate, it is exactly what you're saying, right? It, it, this is what God wanted from his people. Yeah, he wants the heart. You know, we can do things, but if our heart's not in it, uh, I, uh, man, you probably, uh, the verse escapes my mind at the moment, but it's always one that's impacted me. And that's the one about the, uh, you know, your lips may be praising me, but your hearts are far from me. Wow. That's a paraphrase. 
And uh, when Jesus said that, man, that just cut to the quick there to me. Because there's times where I'm sitting in the worship service, and my, my mouth's moving as I'm singing, but I'm thinking about, you know, the, the wall I have to paint, or the car I have yes. to fix, or, and then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? You know? And I'm not saying that, that singing is, is the only means of worship. That's not, I'm a terrible worshiper, I'm a terrible singer. But there's other ways to worship the Lord, and again, it always goes back to the heart. That's true worship. That's what the Lord wants. He wants a heart that loves Him and is obedient to His calling. And everything else is just religion. And mm-hmm. the Lord isn't big on just religion. You know, Nathan, I believe that's a very good and powerful word for those of you that are tuned in. Again, those of you that are listening to the program. Again, you're tuned in to The Truth Will Set You Free. Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones, as we're looking at Zechariah chapter 7. Uh, what's a prophetic fast? In other words, what does God really look at? And it definitely needs to be a matter of the heart, not just a religious activity. Nathan, that's always been the case with religion, that it always sort of gives a black eye to things because it puts people uh, in a position where they think they're so good because of the act they're doing. And there's nothing good enough, right? No, the Bible says there's none that are good. No, not one. That means nobody. Nobody, nobody is worthy. Uh, who is the only one able to open up the title deed to the earth, the scrolls and revelation? And that was Jesus Christ. He yes. the only one worthy. We're not worthy. And it's a shame when people get into a works-based salvation. In other words, right. they have to try to reach God based on their own holiness. And God says, there, you would not never be holy enough. I am perfectly holy, and as long as you're just a smidgen unholy, you know you can be the best person in the world. Absolutely. But you're gonna you're gonna sin. You're, you might have an angry thought or a, a dirty yes. deed or something, and that makes you unworthy. So there's nothing we can do. And I, my heart goes out to those people burdened by a works based yes. salvation, like the Muslims, for instance, who have to do, do all this stuff, and even then they're not sure if they're going to go to paradise. Right. They kill themselves in jihad. And it's a burden on them, and it just it's wonderful to hear when people have ex- find out about Jesus Christ and realize that He took the burden mm. on Himself, that we can't reach God, but Jesus yes. pulls us up to God when we put our faith in Him, and to see that burden lifted off of people that workspace salvation burden. Wow. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, Nathan, that is so amazing what you just shared because I remember my life the same way when that burden was lifted where I no longer uh, had to depend on my good works or because, boy, there's so many times when I do it, I do great for a week or two and then I flop. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the best conversations I ever had with my oldest son, he's 16 now, I guess he was 14 at the time, and he was trying to work out his salvation with fear and trembling like the Bible says. But he was having a hard time trying to do everything right. And he kept failing, and he was so frustrated. And he kept crying and, and saying, you know, I just can't do enough good stuff. I, I'm sinful. The Lord won't want me. And I was like, son, you're absolutely right. Mm. There's nothing you can do to earn your way to salvation. Jesus did it all. And to see it click in his mind, he finally understood what his salvation was about. Praise the Lord. Understand that Jesus paid the price. Jesus did the work. And we just have to accept it in faith. And ever since then, his maturity in Christ has just really grown. It's been such a pleasure to see. Oh, Nathan, I believe that's a word of knowledge there that you're sharing with someone that's watching or listening at this moment because there's people that need to be set free from these uh, erroneous thinking. So I'm so glad that you share that wonderful testimony. What a wonderful word of encouragement. So again, you're tuning into The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones. We're in Zechariah chapter 7, looking now at the second part of this incredible journey. So Nathan, thank you so much for taking us through. All right. Well, you want to start with back with eight? Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. All right. Zechariah 7, starting with verse 8 to the end of the chapter. 
Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus said the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice, show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor, and let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. But they refused to heed, shrugged their shoulders, and stopped their ears up so they could not hear. Yes, they made, talking about their ancestors, they made their hearts like flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it happened that just as he proclaimed that they would not hear, so they called out, and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations which mm -hmm. they had not known. Thus the land became desolate after them, so that no one passed through a return, for they made the pleasant land desolate. Wow. Incredible passage, Nathan. And I love this. Again, you see uh, verse verse nine, as you saw, so thus says the Lord of hosts. And, and it's almost like this charge that he gives them, right? I think he's, again, trying to show them that what they thought was true religion, you know, ceremonial fasting and, and, and weeping at certain times wasn't out of a heart issue. It's got the Lord is saying here, and there's other verses that substantiate this one. So it's a repetitive theme throughout the mm -hmm. Bible that true worship of the Lord is to show justice. Yes. It's to show mercy. It's to have compassion on the poor and the needy and the alien mm -hmm. and not plan evil in our hearts. The Lord wants us to be like him, to be Absolutely. loving and caring and all. And when we're not, he has to chastise us. And when we yeah. refuse, then he really has to chastise us. And that's what he did with the Jewish people. He sent them into exile. Fortunately, brother, when the Zechariah and his group were the returnees, they felt the sting of exile. So they responded to this message. That's one of right. the few minor prophets that got a positive response to their message. Yes. Because the people had already been chastised. They already knew about God's wrath. And they quickly made sure that they didn't fall back into the old patterns of their ancestors. Nathan, that's a very good point because when we read the history, it's always this up and down. And sometimes it's quite depressing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, because we, we know how history reveals how the story, this is about 520, uh, right. 518 actually, and we know that in a you know, few hundred years the Jewish people would uh, basically sell themselves to the Romans to, to get protection from the Greeks, and after that right. they fell all the way back into ceremonial uh, religion again, and uh, the Lord had to exile them yet again in 70 AD, so it would be another 600 years from Zechariah's time, but the people will again, they'll fall back onto their old patterns, and the Lord will have to chastise them to bring them back. And even today now, 2,000 years later, we're seeing the Jewish people begin to be brought back in the land. Absolutely. And the Lord has plans for them. He plans on bringing them to know Jesus as their Messiah, and we're just waiting for that. Absolutely. And Nathan, we are living in exciting, exciting times, and that's why I really, I believe, Nathan, can you imagine if all of us focused there on just uh, observing and practicing what it says there in verse 9, uh, doing justice, showing mercy, uh, being compassionate to everyone. I mean, it would just be amazing. And it also reminds me in Amos, do justice, have mercy, and walk humbly with your God, right? <laughs> That's a great verse. Yeah, you're absolutely right. What if we did what the Lord said to do? What kind of yeah. world would this be? Absolutely. And Nathan, that's why that's why the key is obedience. And all through our history, that's simply what God has asked for his people, that we would obey. He doesn't want religion. Uh, he wants a relationship, right? Absolutely right. Now, if Jerusalem was to be that great and shining capital city of the world, its people must not make the same awful mistakes that their ancestors did. 
They needed a heart of obedience towards the Lord, and that yes. must be their defining characteristic of the population. So when people have the right kind of heart, God unleashes His splendor upon His people, mm. and in this case, on Jerusalem, on the city. So imagine, man, what you and I could do, what the church could do, yes. if we truly practice real religion, and that is what Zechariah tells us, to show mercy and compassion and God's love to people. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nathan. Again, you're tuning into Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones, as we're looking at Zechariah chapter 7. We thank those of you that are tuned in, watching us live, whether it's via Facebook or Twitcasting. We want to thank those of you that are praying for us, Marvin Marroquin and others. So uh, we see you guys tuned in. Again, you can always post your questions or your comments right there for Nathan or myself. And if we have a little bit of time, we'll get to those as well. But Nathan, this is a, this is a really wonderful, wonderful passage. You know, I love verse 14, Nathan. There because it does tell us what happened to the children of Israel uh, and why they were scattered for so many thousands of years. He says, but I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations which they had known. And yet, Nathan, you talked to us about the miracle, though, that these people are back in their land, right? They are. And we're seeing it. It's a second return, as Isaiah prophesied, that they would be exiled and return. And that's what Zechariah and his people are, but that they would be scattered a second time to all the yes. nations, which is what you brought up here to reference verse 14. It's not just Babylon, but all the nations. So this is a, a prophecy about the future. But then they would also be regathered back mm. to the land. And man, we are living in that time period where we're seeing yeah. the Jewish people come back. Half the Jewish population of the world, about 7 million of them, are in Israel right now. The other 7 million will eventually be brought in. And God will use a terrible time period yes. called the tribulation to basically get them on their knees to make a decision for God or not. And the Bible tells us a third of the Jewish people that are brought back in the land will give their lives to Jesus Christ when he returns. So, mm. and, and they will be, and we'll read this in, in the chapter 8, that they will become a priestly people for the Lord during his millennial kingdom. So the Lord is preparing the people for the role he's always meant them to be filling, and that is a priestly people for the Lord. Wow, what an excellent point. And Nathan, that is a miracle that we cannot deny. People will have to be blind to deny that miracle there in the land of Israel. And God talked about all this. And the same way, Nathan, the Lord says that before he returns, these are certain signs that we can see evidence uh, that the Bible is true. And yet, Nathan, I I'm always uh, a little bit saddened because there's still people out there watching or listening uh, who um, are not opening their heart to the Lord. And we believe that they should because the Lord is coming back very, very soon. And Nathan, like every week with the heart of evangelists that you have, you generally put out there that invitation for maybe someone who is not safe to come to know Jesus. Would you be able, Nathan, once again, to just share with that person on the other side how they can start their relationship with Jesus, even right now? Well, if you're living a life where you're doing religion, you're doing stuff and hoping to gain favor with the Lord, no, you can't. There's nothing you can do on your own power that gains favor with the Lord. The Lord is so big, so holy, so amazing, and we're yes. so tiny. But that's, that's good news. It means that you needed someone bigger to handle that great work of salvation. That was Jesus Christ. God gave his own son to die on the cross for our sins. Mm -hmm. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then our sins are forgiven. We are made holy before the Lord, and we can stand before the Father one day pure and blameless. And Jesus did all that work. All we have to do is accept it in faith. So pray from your heart something like, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. Yes. And God promises to do just that. You will be saved and you will have a new life with the Lord. Mm. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And maybe you are watching or listening on the other side and you pray that prayer. You honestly receive Jesus in your heart. We would love to hear from you. You can always give us a call at 321-end-time, 321-363-8463-305-992-9537. We would love to celebrate uh, with you starting the wonderful relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Nathan, again, what a fascinating book, the book of Zechariah. We're closing chapter 7, then Lord willing, and we're going to be looking at chapter or eight and it's just fascinating and nathan also uh on your book uh here these uh 12 uh faith journeys of the minor prophets uh you cover uh, much of these uh books uh excuse me chapters in uh, also in a very nice concise way so i want to thank you for that as well oh well i was trying to make the minor prophets come alive for people my writing partner steve howell and i we we wanted people to grow in their faith in jesus christ so we wrote the book the 12 faith journeys of the minor prophets to not only teach about the minor prophets, not teach just about Bible prophecy, but how you can grow in your faith in Jesus Christ and combat the challenges to our faith that we experience every day. Mm, excellent. Thank you so much, Nathan Johnson. We want to thank all those of you that have been tuning into our programs. Of course, we've ran out of time for uh, this segment of the program, but Lord willing, we will return next week as Nathan and I often say, same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> so Nathan Jones, thank you so much for being part of the program and opening up these incredible scriptures to us. I pray you have an awesome day. Praise the Lord, brother. You too. Thank you so much. And the rest of you, we thank you for being part of our program. And remember, our lines will remain open. 305-992-9537 is the number. If you are in need of prayer, if you have any questions uh, or comments, we would love to be able to uh, hear from you. And again, we thank you for uh, uh, your support and prayers. And we pray you guys have a wonderful week. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is coming back very, very soon. Have a great day.